0: Hello everyone, this is Casey Fisek from the Iowa Pharmacy Association bringing you the IPA Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast where we bring you what action the board took, why they took this action, and then how this impacts your profession. Today we got a a special treat for you due to some unfortunate scheduling and some tough uh, tough schedules from uh, Board of Pharmacy staff. Today it will be Anthony Pudlo from IPA and myself bringing you the exclusive insight into what occurred at the at the board meeting today.
1: So good, uh, good afternoon, everybody. So glad to be here. It's been a while. I know Casey has been handling these podcasts quite well himself, but. Yeah, it is unfortunate we weren't able to grab uh, Andrew or Sue today, but um, between the two of us, I think we'll be able to accomplish a lot and help give you an update on what happened at the Board of Pharmacy meeting today. So Casey, you want to start it off? Like what what was your, um, what's the biggest news I think you saw that happened today at the board meeting?
0: Well, the the saga of the statewide protocol rules continues, Anthony. I'm sure all of our listeners are aware that this has been an ongoing process now, which is expected for a major piece of legislation. Uh, You know, this rulemaking really began in the fall, and uh, we're coming close to the end of that. Um, So just to bring you guys an update on the actual rules themselves, uh, as you know, they were noticed. They had gone in front of the Administrative Rules Review Committee and were approved in that original form. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pending final adoption by the Administrative Rules Review Committee, or final approval, I guess you could say, there was some issue taken with the wording of the rules. And and what that issue was, was in the original legislation, the legislation stated that a pharmacist can order or administer. So in the case of what is currently allowed, that would be naloxone, immunizations, or nicotine replacement products. And and the legislation specifically said order and administer. In the board's rules, they wanted to be cognizant of the fact that um, as far as processing those claims or prescriptions, uh, they wanted to be very specific that a pharmacist would be the prescriber, and so the wording they used in the rules said "prescribe and dispense uh, When they went in front of the art committee for the for the final approval, there was issue taken with the word prescribe specifically that the legislation did not include prescribe um, and I think the board 's position was you know if you if you look up order. Uh, it's essentially the same as prescribed. You mean the definition, right? Yeah, yes. the definition of order is prescribed, or even vice versa. But uh, ARC directed the board to, to make those changes. And so, what was essentially done was ARC approved an emergency, uh, an emergency rulemaking or, and, and put a hold on the rules as they were, and directed the board to go back and find an equivalent to order or use order in those rules. So then, at this board meeting, the
1: board had to vote again on that new proposed rule with what ARC was suggesting. Yes. Correct? Exactly.
0: And so, what the board decided to do was to use the word order, Anthony, correct me if I'm wrong, and Mm -hmm. then substitute a sentence saying, uh, for the purposes of this rulemaking, order uh, refers to the prescribing. Uh, of medication mm-hmm. along those lines, just to make clear um, for anyone interpreting those rules that that's, that's what's going to be occurring.
1: Yeah, because what we observed is that there was some concern from the board members about how maybe a payer could view um, the rule if it doesn't say prescribe. Because as we've talked about with many of you in the statewide protocol, what will end up happening is the pharmacist's name will be listed on the prescription as the prescriber. And so there was concern that maybe a PBM or another payer might deny that claim if it's not explicitly said. So then I think what we observed is that while um, that may be what the board wants right now, it may not be the most appropriate manner to get these rules going. So what we did see today is that the board approved the the change in the language um, based on what ARC recommended. So changing all the terms where it mentions prescribe, to order, but then at the same time, they wanted to notice a new um, rule change that would be exactly what Casey, what you were talking about, right? So, really, yes. to clarify that when they mean order, it really does mean prescribed. So, I think what we'll see in the next at the next board meeting is a new um, notice of intended action that really just helps clarify that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least at this point, what. I saw and what we we both observed is that um, the board approved this this will go back to arc to make the uh, emergency adoption or really to try to lift that hold on this rule yes. correct
0: Yes so that will occur I believe April 5th mm-hmm. and they will um, it's it's referred to as a double barrel rulemaking so they will get what's known as the emergency rule effective as soon as possible pending those possible changes that the board will renotice And then those will go back in front of the ARC committee again at some point, too. So definitely getting into the nuances (laughs) of rulemaking. You know, uh, this is kind of how the sausage gets made, I guess you could say. Nuances, um, you know, from your perspective as the public might seem minor. Uh, ARC is tasked with uh, ensuring that those rules are uh, fought within the intent of the legislation. And, And this occurs sometimes. But we are... Closing in on what should be the final form of those rules. Yeah. That I think is important to know. The ARC is, uh,
1: does serve an important role, and they are kind of that part of our checks and balances in our legal system. So um, they, they are doing their job, I guess, mm-hmm. in that regard. We just have to make sure we, we work through um, the sausage-making process, as Casey uh, uh, referenced. So, right. um, I think then the other thing we saw as we as it relates to statewide protocols was the actual vote from um, the board on each individual statewide protocol so um, without getting into too much detail at least what we saw is the board reviewed um, some of the public comments that they had received um, on each statewide protocol so whether that was related to immunizations naloxone or nicotine replacement therapy uh, the board reviewed those comments and i think they had just a minor grammatical maybe mm-hmm. changes, but it looked like there was um, really good support um, from what the board had drafted. And those oh. protocols were um, really done in tandem with um, the Department of Public Health. So I know the state epidemiologist, medical director, Dr. Padotti, um offered some suggestions as well. Um, But um, we do see, I think, a pretty robust statewide protocol for each of those. Um, I don't think we'll use the podcast here to go into all the detail, um, but I would say um, IPA is going to focus on getting more into the details of those protocols um, during our next um, 222 webinar that will be held um, in April. So um, for those of you, if you haven't seen those yet released from the board by then, um, I would say pay attention or mark your calendars for April 9th. Um, we should have a lot more detail to share um, about each statewide protocol at that point.
0: Great. Well, well thanks, Anthony. Like tying it back to the sort of impact again, I think that's a perfect example. So. Mark your calendars, because obviously this is a major transition in the law. Um, it's exciting, and we're finally closing in on a time when you guys can begin utilizing statewide protocols, so stay tuned for that. The the next sort of big big item that the board took up was also related to legislation passed last year. Many of you might have heard about the e-prescribing law that was included in the opioid package Um essentially what this will require is mandatory e-prescribing for controlled substances and actually all prescriptions which was included in the legislation but i I think one important thing to note is sort of the exceptions that are listed underneath the law because there were um, you know there were concerns originally proposed about the time frame and how this might apply to uh, everyone's practice whether that's prescribers pharmacists and wanted to make sure that the law um, Allowed for those who may not be able to implement it right away to find some sort of way uh, to have a little more time. So, Anthony, I don't know if you can speak a little bit to the exceptions listed or. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, Casey, I think what, what you're referring to, the board proposed a notice of intended action um, on a couple different chapters. So, it's chapter eight on universal practice standards, chapter 10 on controlled substances, and Chapter 21 on electronic data and automated systems in pharmacy practice. Yep. And yeah, so the amendments that the board was trying to put forward really try to offer either a prescriber, a medical group, an institution, or any other kind of pharmacy that might have trouble to comply with it. So what they've um, proposed in the rule is um, various exceptions um, uh, for those types of groups to come forward um, what they have right now proposed in terms of how what type of criteria to be um, considered for a petition of that rule um, i 'll just kind of list what they 've shared, and I think this is something that we 're going to really work to get some feedback from others about this but um, what they're saying is that they. Um, one exception would be if there's any reason for economic hardship, whether the cost of compliance with the e-prescribing requirement would exceed 5% of the petitioner's annual income on um, the most recent tax return is one um, exception to the rule. Another would be um, technological limitations, whether the internet service providers available even have the technology capacities or capabilities required for the e-prescribing platform. Um, And then also a third exception was Basically, if the petitioner is a free or low-income clinic, um, or if the petitioner has had filed for bankruptcy, so it kind of isn't. I'd say maybe more of an extension of that um, economic hardship piece, but definitely recognizing that some some of the heavier lifts for a clinic to transition to e-prescribing, um, especially if they're say a free clinic or whatnot, it could be really difficult. So they could apply for that exemption, and and then the the final and fourth one was um they can seek a renewal of the previous exemption um basically just showcasing if uh if they've had to uh, uh, uh maybe not made any progress towards right. that process so just giving the the board the ability to approve an extension of a previous exemption so Um, That's at least what we've seen, what the board discussed. I think there's a lot of other areas in pharmacy practice even um, that you might observe in some of the providers that you receive prescriptions from that we probably need to capture better as well. But at least that's what was discussed in terms of the exemptions.
0: And just to clarify, that was proposed notice of intended action. So stay tuned. Uh, We will probably send out maybe some of our communications these rules for your review to take a look at, and then you can provide feedback to IPA regarding comments or, or provide feedback to the board to provide comments on these rules as well. I think the next thing maybe we want to hit on uh, briefly is, is sort of another um, rulemaking that is, uh, I guess you could classify as a saga, has gone on for a while now, and that's related to the implementation of USP 800 by the board. So originally the board had proposed a implementation or effective date of December 1, 2019. Anthony, help me out. Yep. And uh, and that follows what USP
1: um, had tried right. to do to harmonize the implementation dates of both, or really all USP 795, 797, and 800 chapters.
0: When the board had, had brought this rulemaking in front of the art committee again, so going back to sort of um, that interesting step in the process is going in front yeah. of the legislative committee. Yep, exactly. Uh, the legislative committee had, excuse me, ARC had directed them to either consider pushing that implementation back 18 months to account for some of the difficulties that hospitals and hospital pharmacies may face, um, whether that's related to uh, budgeting, making those changes, construction, uh, to account for all those. So pushing that back from December 1, 2019, 18 months. They also suggested, well, if, if the board isn't willing to do that, well, then they should consider essentially a, a robust waiver process or, or some method where a hospital hospital pharmacy could demonstrate...
1: Or any pharmacy,
0: really. Any pharmacy, yes, excuse me, thank you, Anthony, could demonstrate that they are aware of the rules, they are putting a plan in place to meet them, but it's just going to take a little bit longer than that December 1, 2019 mm-hmm. date. And so the board had on their agenda really sort of an informational presentation or a timeline to, to try to help the board determine how they wanna uh, implement this change that was directed by ARC.
1: Yeah, it was actually a really well um, laid out presentation. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Funk um, provided the board with really the history and everything that happened with um, the the, the the compounding chapters, 795 and 797, and how the board took action to adopt those in their entirety into chapter, I believe it's 20, um, for compounding practice in Iowa. Um, And then really laid out, I think there was, it seemed like there was about seven or eight different options that the board could consider as they move forward and really try to address some of the concerns that um, they heard from ARC in this process. So, what? Um, while while at this point the board didn't take any action specifically on this topic, what we observed is that by laying out all those options, it looks like at their next meeting they'll be um, choosing to make um, or to pull the trigger, if you will, on a decision on how to address USP 800. So. Um, I know there was some discussion from the board about the fact that regardless if the board holds true to the December 1, 2019 implementation date, many pharmacies and hospitals are still going to be potentially on the hook based on other um, accrediting bodies that might follow that deadline. So I think all of you as you're listening to this probably are aware if you have um, whether your Joint Commission or you have other accrediting bodies that um, that will hold you accountable for that, that's still something to be aware of. But at least we're not sure yet at this point if the Board of Pharmacy is going to enforce that that implementation date at this point. So. Um, More to come on that, and I'd say if you have additional insight, um, there's actually some good hospital pharmacists at the Board of Pharmacy meeting today that reemphasize some of the comments that IPA had made about this issue as well. So um, it's a a work in progress, but I think we'll see more um, determination on what it really means for your practice probably at the next Board of Pharmacy meeting, which is... Casey, help me out on the date of the next board meeting.
0: That is April 31st. 30th.
1: 30th. There's no 31 days. (laughs) You guys can fact check that and email me later on that one. Yeah, April 30th or May 1st, I guess, is the two potential dates, right? Yeah. Well, Casey, I think we're kind of winding down here. Any last um, comments um, that you
0: observed during the board meeting? Uh, Well, some important news uh, or news of note, I guess you could say. uh, Following sort of the latest round of appointments from the governor... There will be two new board members uh, joining the board. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Sharon Myers was not retained. She's done a great job, so we want to thank Sharon for that. But there will be two new board members joining. One technician member. So, uh, pending the legislation that IPA last, following the legislation IPA passed last year, there will now be a certified technician Mm -hmm. member of the board, and then uh, one other new board member. Yeah.
1: So we saw. Um, for those members listening we saw kathy stone out of missouri valley with chi health um, that was um, a hospital critical access hospital member that was selected by the governor's office and then also uh, the technician is dane nielsen out of nevada but works in the telepharmacy in state center Um, and so yeah we saw those two um, new new members, um, appointed. So it's my understanding they'll be coming onto the board, um, at maybe that next board meeting. So we'll see, um, we'll see some uh, new, new members on the board coming on at that point. So, and if you see them and you know them, tell them congrats. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. And thanks for the flexibility since we weren't able to grab Andrew or Sue here today. Um, but, uh, really appreciate you all listening to today's, uh, board of pharmacy, what, why, and how podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.